glad you joined us for New Hope's Sermon of the Week. For more resources, be sure to contact newhopecom.org. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Well, I am very uh, happy this morning to introduce our guest speaker, uh, who I've known for a long time. Um, and um, it's just so interesting when you look at what God is doing in this community and you take a look around and you see all the new people that God has been bringing in over the last year, uh, year and a half. And God is bringing in mothers and fathers and really seasoned ones. Why? Because he's building something here, right? Yes, yeah. There's going to be movements launched out of here. When Bill Vanderbush was here a couple years ago, he spoke about there were going to be many international ministries formed out of New Hope. Um, so there needs to be foundation. And you look around who God is bringing and who God is, uh, you know, even they're moving here. And God is assembling a people. You know, Harold Eberly talked about how it's not just we're just connected, but he, God's assembling. He's fashioning a people, a body. And uh, it's really exciting. So... Uh, I want to introduce my father-in-law who, and my mother-in-law who are back in this community. Um, yeah, it's, yeah, that's really good. <laughs> and so well, I wanna, don't want to give too much away, but uh, Tony Martirano is going to be sharing this morning. He's uh, my father-in-law, Joy's uh, father. Uh, he's the best father-in-law that I've ever had. Uh, <laughs> hopefully the last one that I'll ever have. <laughs> Uh, now he's wonderful, um, and he pastored here from 1992 to 1997, so they were here for several years, and it was, you know, God was just doing a lot through him at that time. They went and they pastored a church in New Jersey. Uh, they came back, they pastored a church in the city called Joy Community Church, and then they retired, and God has brought him back here for this season. So God is up to some stuff, and we're really welcoming them back in a big way. So can you give a nice round of applause for Tony? Well, thank you very much. It's uh, just uh, incredible to, to be here for Susan and I. Um, we were graciously invited by my son-in-law and daughter. Um, we were living in Florida. The uh, situation had uh, changed for us, uh, and we were holding on to the Lord to see how all was going to pan out. When we received this call uh, from my daughter and son-in-law asking that we would come back and be with them. I'm, I'm here to support them hold up their hands, stand behind them in any way I can. And, uh, and I think it's a prophetic thing that I'm here. Yeah. Um, I'm not the guy that was here in 1992, unfortunately. Um, I, I've grown a little bit and, uh, in different ways, but I'm so gracious to, uh, to be here. For I, be I believe that there's unfinished business that I need to do. And um, I'll share more about that as we move along to this morning in the message. This morning, I want to talk to you about the God who accomplishes all that is possible. The things impossible with men 
are possible with God. Amen. He is the God of the possible. And uh, we look to him in many, many ways. How many of us have had impossible situations in our life? Yes. And it, it's incredible to, as I look back now over 40 years of ministry and 44 years of marriage and raising a family, the incredible situations that God has put me in that I, I said, this is impossible. <laughs> and uh, to be able to, to recognize that my impossible is possible with God. It, it's just a crazy thing that, you know, my impossible is not impossible. That when I surrendered my life to Christ, all things became new and the Christ within me made all the impossible possible. But the impossible that he made possible was different from what I expected. When you want the impossible, you want to see everything all turned over and become something, uh, you know, illuminated by the power of God. And, and you're, this thing has been made well. Everything's made well. I, I have found in my lifetime uh, that all things are not made well, although all things are possible with God. <laughs> you know, when, when we look at the, the book of Luke, chapter 1, we see at the very beginning of our Lord's birth, uh, before he was even um, uh, came forth from the room, that the angel of the Lord spoke to the Virgin Mary. And Mary had, had said to them, uh, how can this be? I'm a virgin that, that, that I'm going to have a kid. This is impossible. <laughs> it's crazy. It's just crazy. And uh, the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. The power of the Most High will overshadow you. And for, the reason, for this, that reason, the holy offspring shall be called the Son of God. Then he spoke to Elizabeth. She's, a, she's an old lady. She's, she's an old woman. And says, You're going to have a kid. And John's going to be born. John the Baptist. And then it finally says, For nothing is impossible with God. But yet the impossible sometimes comes forth in a different way and we have to be mature enough to recognize the possible of God. Yes. There are different situations in our lives, whether it's the prodigal, whether it's uh, the finances, whether it's the infertility, whether it's the heartache of, that many, many people go through. The, the, the health and situations, life and death situations, that they, they seem, God, how can you show me the possible in the impossible? I've learned the impossible by watching the miracle of my wife, the impossible of, of brain aneurysms that put her in the ICU for 10, 15 days at a time, where she comes out with no deficiencies. And that she lives not, not because God did the impossible in not having her have the aneurysm, but the possible that she lived through the aneurysm and now Amen. still loves Jesus Amen. Christ. Yes. I can look at a Jan Nagel and I, for the years that I've heard that she's walked with God and has prayed God for the impossible. Well, he's given you the possible. You are a shining example of the power of God. You are a shining example. Or Tom Hogan from, uh, from a little boy having problems with his heart. God, it's impossible. How is this man going to live a life 
with this pain and this uh, troubled heart. But the possible came, and, he, and within the framework of the impossible, God did the possible. Tom's still here, thank the Lord. Some people find that unforgiveness, they can't forgive, it's impossible. It's not impossible when you line up with the, the Lord who has saved you, when you submit your life to Christ, and when you do things according to his will. Unforgiveness is not impossible, it's possible. And God would have us learn that. In the book of Luke, chapter 5, verse 2, we see the, uh, the Lord doing, uh, he always did things that were impossible. He always made them uh, very clear that he could do it. And in Luke, chapter 5, verse 2, he, he saw two boats lying on the edge of the lake. But the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. He got into one of the boats, and, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the multitudes from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the deep water and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon uh, answered and said, Master, it's impossible. We, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But at your bidding, I will let down the nets. And when they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. And they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and help them. And they came and filled both of the boats, so they began to sink. Here these guys are looking at him like a crazy man. Like, what, what are you, out of your mind or what? I mean, I'm a pro fisherman. I'm, I'm, I'm a pro. <laughs> you know, you're standing up and you're speaking like, you know, and you're telling me to go out. I mean, like, really, is this impossible? But he made it possible for the impossible. And God will do that for us as we submit our lives. When we submit ourselves to what is your will in this situation? And it doesn't take long for you to understand, well, I'm going to have to endure with faith to make it through. Amen. I won't, the achieving part of the faith is not activated, but my enduring part must now rise up. The grace that's sufficient for Paul to live with the so-called thorn of the flesh. Amen. He says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made. Amen. Oh, in weakness. The probability of God, the, the possibility of God to be able to walk through your life in impossible situations because Come of the on. possibility of God. Come on. I have in ministry walked through some incredible things. I want to share with you three situations that I thought, like, this is, this is impossible. And that God showed up sovereignly and just blew me away on each of these situations. He knows all that's in your heart. And, and I learned this in an incredible way. I, I learned it by, uh, when I left this church in 1997, I went to pastor a church in Audubon, New Jersey, in the Camden, really a tough area. And ministered there effectively. I was there for a few months, 
And uh, the church had been a Mormon church that the pastor who I, re I replaced, they bought the Mormon church. And the Mormon church was there many, many years before they bought it, and now they bought it 10 years before I get there. Well, we have prayer like you do on a Sunday morning, and we're praying, and one of the prophetic brothers who I respected comes up to me. He said, the Lord just dropped something into my heart, Pastor. I said, what is it? He said, the Lord just dropped into my heart that something is wrong in the very foundation of the church. I respected this man. I said, whoa. I thought to myself, well, it's been a, was a Mormon church. Let me talk to the elders. Well, the service went on, and after the, after the service, I grabbed the hold of the eldership. I said, did you guys pray through this building? Like, have you cleansed this place out from the, being a Mormon uh, facility? And, yes, Pastor, we, walked, we laid hands, we prayed, we had marches around the building. Okay, because God just told this brother, who I really respect, something's wrong in the very foundation of the building. Okay. You guys did it? That's great. Monday morning, I get up and go to work, and when I go to work, there's a man standing at the door. He says to me, are you the pastor? I said, yes, I am. He says, I'm, I work for the bishop of the Mormon church. It moved over the Cherry Hill from this very place. The bishop sent me over here to collect some items that belong to him. They're in the foundation of the church. They're in the cornerstone of the church. I would like to go in there and get these old pictures. What do they call them? Uh, a bunch of pictures in there and uh, a little can of stuff. I said, what did you just say? He, he says, the, the bishop wants to get the stuff out of the cornerstone. <laughs> Lord just said there's something wrong in the foundation of a church, the cornerstone. You bet, you come and you get that stuff out of the cornerstone as quick as you possibly can. You can have the, the whole thing. You got to bring like something to get in there and take it out. And Well, it took a week, two weeks before anybody, it was driving me crazy that it was driving the Lord crazy that there was something in, in, in the foundation of the church. So I, I, I said, this is nuts. I finally grabbed the hold of one of the construction guys. I said, how do I get into the cornerstone? He said, Pastor, you need a diamond blade sore or whatever. Get it. <laughs> he cuts into this stone, 500, 700 pounds of stone. We wiggle it out. We reach in and get this can. It's got all kinds of pictures, but underneath the can is the Book of Mormon. <laughs> in the cornerstone of the church, in the very foundation of the church. God said to me, who can hide from me? I know the secrets of the heart. In the, the book of Luke, uh, chapter 8, you with me here? Yeah. Okay. Luke, Luke chapter 8, verse 17 For nothing is hidden that shall not become evident. For anything secret that shall not be known and come to light. 
the Lord taught me about the impossible thing of holding a secret from God or thinking that God doesn't see my heart and the issues of my behavior. You know, sometimes I thought, like, well, he, you know, he might see something, but he's not going to see everything, you know. But <laughs> here, here we have God Almighty looking through this found, the foundation stone and seeing that something was bothering him, something that was hidden. My, my daughter last week alluded to uh, how the Lord with mothers is, is so on their side how the Holy Spirit comes and has your back, walks with you and leads you. You can't hide things from him. My son James, who uh, had a, a problem in school, uh, had, uh, and the teacher had called and said, James is missing homework. And uh, I said to James, James, uh, you're missing homework? He said, Dad, I brought the homework in uh, she must have lost it. I said, oh, okay. So I um, eventually went to the teacher, and I said, you know, uh, he, he said that, he, he said, Mr. Matarana, uh, uh, he's missing five homeworks. I, I didn't lose five homeworks. I said, oh, okay. So I went back home, grabbed the hold of my son. He wouldn't budge. She lost it. I know she lost it. It's some, uh, you know, I brought it in. Okay, buddy. It ain't the truth. This is not the truth. So I, my kids, I would take them as I ministered around the country. I would take them with me when I could. So I said, James, you come with me. And um, you do my overheads and you help me with, if I'm going to sing a song or do something. So James came and he sat on the stage as I did a single parent day. I'm talking to single parents. The message that I spoke, I gave an altar call. These single parents coming out of their seats, coming to the front, and there on the end is James. He's weeping. What the heck's wrong with him? And I go down and I pray with them, and I go back to the hotel, and James is there. I said, James, what, ha what happened? Like, what was that all about? He goes, the message you preached. I said, what, the message to the single parents? He goes, no, the message on lying. I said, James, I didn't speak on lying. I never spoke on lying. I spoke to single parents. I never mentioned lying. He said, Dad, the whole sermon was lying. <laughs> God comes to the aid of, of, uh, of, of, of parents, and it's just an amazing, absolutely amazing uh, thing to see. You can't, you can't hide from him. He is the God who knows and he sees the hidden thing. It's impossible. But oh no, it's possible. I, I recommend every parent in this place to ask the Holy Spirit to parent with you. I could go on and on about how God intervened in our family with uh, my wife and myself. Amazing. God knows exactly where you are and where your loved ones are who are uh, prodigals or not, not near you. And God has a way of showing us 
that he, he will find them, he will get them, whether it's before you die or after you die, but he is going to be faithful to, to capture them and bring them into the kingdom that you've been praying for for your, your whole life. I mean, I've done more funerals where the son, who was the pain in the neck to the guy who died, comes up at the end of the service and gives his life to Christ while the, the, the father is dead. And I said, I wish I... You, you do see it, right? You see it. He, he, uh. I mean, you frustrated me all these years telling me about your son and what a headache, and he's never going to... He's here. He's here now, but you don't, you're not, so I don't know. <laughs> I did a lot of traveling. Uh, the Lord took me uh, to several continents doing single-parent ministry for wounded children and, and their parents, and it was an absolute delight. But when I would leave, I would leave four children home with my wife, and it was like she became a single parent to the 37 weekends that I had been gone. And people came alongside, like Sylvie Evans and people over Elam, that just took my wife on as a, for a prayer. And every time I would leave town, something crazy would happen to my household. The pipes would burst in the summer. The, the uh, car would have not one flat, two flats. And she would call me, and, and, and when I started to recognize what was going on, we, we asked for more prayer, but I recognized, oh, devil, it ain't going to happen. You, you just, it is, matter of fact, when it, used to, it started to happen, I would like, <laughs> something good's going to happen, oh, that's great. So I, I'm going to uh, Great Falls, Montana. Because a single parent who came in here, heard me speak, came up to me and said, Pastor, would you come to Montana? If you ask your pastor and he wants me to come to Montana, I'll come to Montana. Oh, Pastor, it would be great. Okay, I'm going to come to Montana. Well, the day I leave, I get to the Detroit airport from Rochester, and there's a brand new 747. I'm, it was like, it was like the, they were just coming out. It was brand spanking new. I mean, it was just... And the window was like right over here, the nose of the plane, I could almost touch it. It was like, holy cow, two, three hundred people milling about. It's going to be, this is going to be a, a great flight. All of a sudden, there's an announcement that, unfortunately, ladies, uh, you're waiting for this flight uh, to, uh, to the out west, wherever it was. I think it was stopover. But the uh, luggage carrier just backed into the plane and put a hole in it. Whoa. Okay. I'm not going there. So, I, I, I go to the uh, desk and I'm asking them, please, can you give me uh, something? Uh, I got to get out there, you know? And they say, well, there's a flight at 10 o'clock. Now, it's about 3 o'clock or uh, 8 o'clock, about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. I, I get to the um, plane at, at 8 o'clock. I get on. I go into the I'm in the back row, and it's like the engines are in the back, and I'm right next to the engine, and it's purring, and I sit down, and I say, okay, here we go. All of a sudden, it goes, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this plane will not be leaving tonight. It has a brake leak. A brake leak? I'm now hiding because I know everybody's going to turn around and say to me like Jonah, who, who are you, Paul, in the store? Who, that guy over there, he said, who? 
I couldn't believe it. So I, I get out of the plane. I'm, I'm walking around. I'm showing people the brochure with my picture on it. You've got to get me out here. They tell me there's a plane at 9 o'clock to Minneapolis, St. Paul. I don't care. It's west. I'm going on that plane. <laughs> I, I go to get on. I, I, I get off and I call the single parent. Hello. Oh, Pastor. Uh, listen. It's been crazy here, but I'm telling you, God's going to do something that's going to blow your mind, but I might, I might be a little late. I'm not even sure how I'm going to get there, but I'm coming. Okay, you sure, Pastor? Yeah, I'm sure. They get me to St. Paul, Minneapolis, St. Paul. I don't have my bags. I don't know what plane my bags are on. I have no clue. I have no clothes, no toothbrush, no nothing. They put me in a hotel at 1 o'clock in the morning. At like 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock, I'm supposed to be on another plane. I wake up, I'm like a wrinkled mess over here. Kind of like everything's like, what the heck's going on? I get to the plane. I get on this plane to go to Great Falls, Montana. There's seven people on the plane. It's a big, giant plane. I'm sitting in the front. I open my Bible, and so help me God, the Word of God is like jumping off the page. It's like dripping with power. and Just the anointing of the Spirit. Well, we get up there, and, the, and the, um, the stewardess passes out all the peanuts and all that kind of stuff, and then she comes up to me, and she goes, is that a Bible you're reading? I said, yes, it's a Bible. She goes, there's something going on in, in Great Falls, Montana. She said, there's a guy in the back. He's reading the Bible, too. I said, I, I don't know where he's going, <laughs> but I'm going to do a single parent day in Great Falls, Montana. What is a single parent day? It's a day where I bring the wholeness of Christ to those who have thought they were broken. Uh, and uh, she goes, you're kidding me. She goes, I'm a single parent. I said, oh, really? She says, do you mind if I sit down? Now, my wife is very, very open for me to go to minister single parents again. But Stuart is sitting next to me. I mean, ah. <laughs> But I can't call her because I'm up in the air. <laughs> she says, I'm a single parent. I said, okay. Yeah, she, she, she tell me what's going on. And I said, well, this is what we present. She goes, I have a beautiful little boy. I love him so much, she said. But the creep that is his father. And she starts spewing this stuff. And I'm going, oh, boy. Okay. <laughs> After a while, the Lord says, open up and share and I open up and I say, you love your little boy? You know the poison that you're pouring out to me about your ex-husband is going to affect that child's life? Yeah. You, you need to get a grip on it and ask the Lord to forgive you and stop harboring this bitterness. <laughs> she starts weeping. And I start to ask her, are you willing? She says, I'm a backslidden Christian. My mother's a Christian. She takes my little boy to church every week, and I've been living a sinful life. I said, are you ready to open up and, share and have your life changed? She said, yes. I led her in a prayer, asking forgiveness for harboring bitterness in her, the heart, and asked her to accept Christ as her Savior. Through her tears, mascara running down her face, she asked the Lord to forgive her and she asked the Lord to come into her heart, and she became saved. At 37,000 feet in the air, she says to me, 
This is not a coincidence. This plane is always full. I said, well, let me tell you about my last 24 hours. I said, the Lord loves you so much he put a hole in a $37 million aircraft. God will find you. He seeks, he looks to and fro. Don't think it's impossible for him to reach whoever you think is impossible to reach for it's possible for him to reach them. He knows the hidden heart. He knows where you are. He knows there's a donkey, a colt tied up in the next town. He knows that the cock will crow three times. He knows. This last point is, uh, it's, an, it's an amazing thing. And uh, let me see if I could do this. I want to come down and talk to you. When Pastor Tony uh, went to Village Community, uh, there was a, a need for a, a pastor to come in for the pastor was very sick. And uh, I, I took over there, and I'm a visionary. I'm a visionary leader. When God gave me the vision of chips, I had no idea that he would take me to South America, North America, Canada, Australia, New Zealand. I had no idea, but he, picture, he gave me the picture. He, show, he showed me what it was. And God did amazing things with the chips ministry. I think uh, there are some here that would say amen, that God did some amazing things. And uh, when I, I left the CHIPS ministry and I came to, this, uh, to Joy Community, um, the Lord had me, I was in the worst neighborhood. And I would go up in my office and I'd look out the window and next to me there was, it was a crime-ridden corner. There was, there was drugs, there was prostitution, there was gangs, and blood, all kinds of craziness. Right, our, our, our um, parking lots were connected. And uh, I would cry out like Habakkuk, how long must I see this violence? Lord, what in the world is going on here? How could you attach us to this, this, this corner like this, that parents were afraid to let their children walk? And the Lord said to me, enlarge the place of your tent, stretch out to the right and to the left, for I'm going to do a new thing. He told me to go over and talk to the owner of that building, which was drug-infested, gang-infested, uh, squatters living all over the place. And I went in, and, and he was a, a cocaine addict, and I spoke to him, and he said, I said, if you want to sell the building, let me know. He said, can I meet you in an hour? I met him with my elders. We bought the building. We had to get all the ites out, and that's a whole other story, but we moved the gangs who said they were going to shoot me up, they were going to kill me, they were going to come on a Sunday morning and blow me up. And I said, I don't dance with devils, so you, you know, call your best shot. I mean, I'm from the Bronx. I mean, <laughs> So we, we bought the building. By God's grace, the previous pastor had saved a considerable amount of money. 
but not enough for what I wanted, I, the, what the Lord had shown me, because that, that building needed to be totally gutted from the basement through the roof, because the roof, there was a fire, and it burnt a hole right through the, the boat ceilings, and it was, the roof was done. The, the elders of the church said, Pastor, s- knock it down, get rid of it. I said, the Lord showed me it's going to be a ministry center. Every one of these places are going to have ministry in them, and we're going to, the Lord is going to change this neighborhood. Amen. It was a half a million dollar project. I have, at that time, when I first got there, was, there was a hundred people. Again, this is impossible. <laughs> Lord. And then he starts telling me, I want a doctor's office. I want a food pantry. I want a youth center. I want the abortion uh, clinic, uh, abortion uh, pregnancy care, uh, I, I, I want counseling, uh, Lord, okay, that's what you're telling me. So I go up to the uh, elders and I said, this is what he said, the doctor's office. He said, how are you going to have a doctor's office? Do you understand how much money it costs for a doctor's office? I said, I'm telling you what he told me, that's all I'm telling you. <laughs> Within a week's time, the doc, a doctor calls me and says, listen, there's a doctor who's dying of cancer, he wants to give you seven exam rooms, the scales, the... the uh, <laughs> stethoscopes, the blood machines, everything. I went to the elders, I said, uh, I got seven uh, rooms from the doctor. What do you think? They go, well, God wants to have a, a doctor's office. <laughs> and it went on like that until the completion of it, and it, it took quite some time. Before I left that church, my heart's desire was to see the vision that God paid, uh, gave me, paid for while I'm there. I didn't want to leave the pastor. Would pay for my, what you know, God gave me. You know, like it was pepperoni rather than prophetic. You know, it was like... <laughs> I wanted... But it was like a quarter of a million dollars I, I needed. I know it's getting time. I'm going to be 70 years old. I need, I need a... I need to retire. I need to get young blood here. I got to give this church fresh, fresh. Well, lo and behold, a storm came called Sandy. Terrible storm. But the Lord saw fit to reach into this calamity. And the New York, New York State needed generators. So a godly couple in our church, uh, Jean and Kathy Hen, who had a place called Better, um, Better Light and Power. They sold generators. In a week's time, they sold $2,500,000 worth of generators. In a week's time, they put on my desk a check for $250,000. That's impossible. That's really impossible. But God, I thank the Lord because I I didn't want to leave this pastor with my baggage. And I had a, a very deep, unsettling feeling, unfortunately, about this church. Because when I came to this church, I walked in the front door in 1992, and there was a wall three feet away. 
I said, how the heck do you have a welcoming place like that with a wall? Well, Bob Grant never worked so hard in his life. I said, Bob, knock down the wall, open it up, flags, get flags, clean up, we're going to move, we're going to do things. And God started to do something special here. He took the church, uh, he took the school, which I became a, uh, the principal of, which I had no right doing it, except that God knew with the death of my son, I, I, I needed little kids hugging me on a continual basis. But the church grew, the school grew, we went to two services, God was doing something really exciting. When I got here, folks that remember, Carl had said to me not too long after I got here, I think you should be the pastor. And then James died. And I couldn't pastor anything. I, I was so wounded, so hurt. But being the visionary, the vision kept coming of seeing this work here become a force in this community. They were building homes. They just were starting homes back here. and Things were happening here. And I said, God wants to build a family life center. God wants to do something significant in this place. But I wasn't the pastor. But I had the vision. And I, when it came time for, for me to leave, I could have become the pastor here and split this church wide open. But I said, I'm not going to hurt Colin Susie who took care of me during the most difficult time of my life. I'm getting, I'm getting out of here. I was ready to pastor. I knew I was ready to pastor. But as a visionary, I left this place, and they went on carrying on the vision that was birthed out of what the Lord had did in my heart. And when I left, I felt so much like, God, that's unfinished business. I believe with all my heart the unfinished business that God has brought me back to see before I leave this earth is to see that family life center come to fruition and that God would do something so significant through you, 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 me, everyone here. God is going to blow out the, the walls and, and a hurricane of God's blessings is going to come and people are going to start pouring in to see the fruition. For God was upset that I gave that vision and it needs to come to pass. It's going to come to pass. And I, my heart, coming back, my wife and I, she knows how I struggled because I never wanted to leave, whether it was the Chips ministry at Elam or my ministry with the Joy Community, I never wanted to leave things undone. So now I, I believe that God is going to do something he brought the old man back. <laughs> and I humbly speak, I, I'm, it's, it's, all, it's all a ward. It's not, it's like, I, I can't believe this is impossible. No. 
It's possible. It's possible. All things are possible to them that believe. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what you're facing that's impossible. But I believe in my heart today that God wants to break you out of the vision of the impossible happening when God wants the possible to happen in your impossible situation. And that in that impossible situation in which God will bring the possible, you don't walk like a victim. You walk like a victor. Yes. So if I could ask today if there be people who are facing impossible situations, I want to pray for you. Does this, is this ring true to anybody? I mean, am I, I, yeah. And I know that the vision that, that the Lord gave me back when is the vision that is in them. Yes. But it's like, how, what? God has to reposition, and Steve just eloquently said that God is repositioning some things to accomplish something great. I'm excited about it. Yes. Amen. Let's stand to our feet. If you find this morning that uh, this rings true in your heart and that the need for a reshifting of the way you think, yeah. a, a reshifting of, of how you see the impossible. I've wanted God to intervene in my life with impossible situations. And I thought what was impossible was that he would break through and do a miracle. And yet, I found out that the possibility was me living through the heartache and pain. Walking with my hand held high. Accomplishing things for God. Today, if you find yourself as one... I. I'd like prayer for the impossible. I ask you to just step out of your seat, come to the altar, and I'll ask the prayer team and uh, pastoral team to come. And, and let's, let's just pray for the shifting of the mindset that you, you, you don't see God in the middle of your, the, the, the impossible. You don't, uh, where is he? Well, he is giving you the strength to endure even through the impossible. So if those of you would come that need prayer, you come right now. You come right now. You come right now. Come right now, because God is absolutely up to something significant. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, we're just finite. We're, we're uh, in our humanity, Lord. We're like your mother. How could this be? How can you do anything like this? This is impossible. But all things are possible. In you, and we believe in the power of the resurrected life that Jesus brought to us and has given to us and the power of the Holy Spirit. We ask this day for the turning, Lord, of our thinking. That, that, that Lord, we would not be um, victims any longer, but we would be victorious. Uh, that a single mom or the, the marriage that has failed. Lord, lift them up to see beyond themselves, to see the vision of their father who loves them, 
who has never left them, never forsaken them. So I trust in you. I trust in you, Jesus. Touch these who are open enough to say, I need the divine, the divine intervention of the Lord. And it is divine. It's, it's so powerful. Have your way, Lord. Thanks so much for listening to this week's message. Feel free to contact us for further resources at newhopecom.org.